Now, Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. All right, everybody, welcome to Spike's Car Radio. We're in uh, Beverly Hills today, the 90210. I'm trying to sound like a radio guy right now. Do you like it? It's working. I thought I was, <laughs> I thought I was in the morning drive time. No. It's hey, a- 745, <laughs> 15 to the hour. You're listening to a very funny guy, uh, Will Sasso. Will, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. This is going to uh, be a comedy podcast, so if you're expecting car talk, are you you're a car guy in any way? Do you, Not really, but no. we can call this a carmody <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I bet nobody's done that. Hey, we got Maroon Five coming up. Sorry, no, Sorry. keep but going. You can, you can say what, you can say whatever what you I'm like. Um, I know you will, and 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 uh, you know. I want to say first, you're here to pr- uh, to promote Louder Milk. Yeah, which uh, is a new half hour scripted comedy. That's correct. Is that uh, the right way? It, it's it premieres October seventeenth. At uh, 10.30 on the AT&T Audience Network. We will get to that. We will talk about that in a minute. But, um, you know, you and I have something uh, uh, very much in common. This this Saturday night comedy lineup at Fox. Yeah. You were a Mad TV cast member for how many years? Uh, five years. Five years. Yeah. Uh, what years were those? Uh, 97 to 2002. To 2002. And I started at midnight in 2006. Oh, yes, yes, I remember. Did you feel... Trapped in that situation. The, the, <laughs> the, the, you know, I had this, you know, there was so much talent on that show on Mad TV, right? We, well, you yeah, know, starting yeah. with what? We've got, we've got Jim Carrey, we've got you, we've got Bobby Lee, Jordan Peele, Michael McDonald, Ike Barinholtz. Yeah. Jim it's, Carrey was on In Living Color. In Living Color. Just okay, be, forget about whatever. Yes, was, okay, wrong show. But, yeah. you, but, but still Fox. Yeah, still Fox. <laughs> right. He is kind of the same thing. But see, now, so. see, he, he escaped. Yes. On In Living Color. He was able to escape uh, Fox and turn into something. Correct. But none the- of us on Mad TV <laughs> were able to make that jump. Nor, nor I. And, <laughs> and um, you know, why, why do you think that is? Did you find it frustrating to be Low there? Low level a- of talent. I won't speak for everybody on the, uh, <laughs> that you listed there, except for Jim Carrey, who, you know, is Jim Carrey. So, and I but know, I, and I understand, you know, why you said that first. Jim Carrey. <laughs> oh, whoa, hold on a second. He was on In Living Color, and he's a megastar uh, and a comedy influence of, of anybody right. uh, performing comedy, writing comedy, creating comedy point. in any way, yes. whether they know it or not, much like the Beatles in music. Uh, and then here's these other people. So, yeah, but Jim Carrey <laughs> got out. I'm one. Now, see, I don't blame I don't blame you. I don't blame I blame Fox for this. Why? What are you talking about? Because Everybody, by the way, everyone that you just listed is doing great. They're Ike, doing great. Ike's killing it. Of course, Key and Peele, you know, Keegan No, Jordan, that's my point though, but that's Bobby Lee. And, that's my point. Yeah. They weren't killing it. They weren't able to transcend a certain level on Fox on Saturday night because of the network's inability to understand topical humor. That they never really gave you guys what you needed to really resonate as a bigger show. Huh. And, 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 you know, having been there myself yeah. and having done this and been captive in that situation where, you know, I'm doing a late night show and they want me to shoot 22 of these things in September and October right. that they can space out during the year. Ah, I see. You what see you're what I'm about. saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. now here's Mad TV, and we have all this talent. And there was a lot of writing talent on that show too. Absolutely amazing. Y- writers. You've got this big thing ready to go, and only you know there's a ton of funny sketches in there and great funny characters, but they the topical stuff doesn't exist. Yeah, and as the culture is shifting at that moment, and you've yeah. got shows like Saturday Night Live, which is about what's happening in the news, and then characters and sketches. Yeah. That big piece is left out. Didn't well, that bother you? No, that not, never really bothered me because the you know my influences were more, uh, you know, like I, I, well, early Saturday Night Live was obviously very topical, mm-hmm. but. It also wasn't because it came from, you know, the National Lampoon Radio Hour and it came from, you know, the stage and Second City. And uh, so it was a lot of just sketches. And past mm-hmm. that, you know, my sketch influences are SETV, Monty Python, Kids in the Hall. Right. Kids in the Hall were never topical. Right. SETV was maybe a little more topical, barely topical. Mm-hmm. And Monty Python wasn't topical at all either. I I actually preferred to not do topical stuff. I, I loved the sort of evergreen. Here's a sketch that hopefully you can watch in five, ten, fifteen. But you're years. doing, you know, you're doing Schwarzenegger a lot. 
Yeah, but Schwarzenegger, it, I mean, Schwarzenegger's still Schwarzenegger today, and he was still, he was Schwarzenegger 20 years before I was doing Schwarzenegger. Look, I, I get it, but, you know, it, the game changes in a network. Like, yeah. you know, it, it's Kids in the Hall was great. All Everything you just said, I watched all of that stuff, yeah. and I absolutely loved it as a kid. And I yeah, loved, but it would be a good— I loved that it wasn't topical, you know, and, right. and I, you know, when I was writing for David Letterman early on, I wrote strictly non-topical stuff. Oh, that's I, cool. I wasn't a topical oh, I guy. I, I, awesome. I hated it. And all I wanted to do was write the weird stuff, the funny stuff that made me laugh when I was in college. Yeah. And then I had this kind of shift uh-huh. where I saw when we were you know, writing stuff on that show or you know, I, I would throw something up on my late night show where, where I could get close to being topical. It would explode yeah. across the pop culture universe on yeah. the internet. There right. was this new thing happening. Right. And, you know, I, I had a front row seat to the at least the Mad TV crew that was there, Bobby Lee and, and, and Ike and those guys. And, and I could not believe how funny these people were. I could not believe how funny the writers were. Right. And then I would say, well, what is going wrong here? Uh-huh. Why are you guys not writing the sketches that, are, that I'm seeing all over the Internet the next day? Huh. On, on Monday, and it was always the same answer that we have to gang shoot these shows, yeah. unlike an SNL or a legitimate talk show like Letterman. Yeah, you shoot the show the day, and you talk about the news of the day, you right? Know, and I always found that to be extremely frustrating at that network, and I just assumed you were frustrated too. You know, the only the <laughs> thing that the thing that you say there that would maybe separate your experience from mine is that I was there sort of pre-internet, right? Right. I was I was there from '97 to 2002. And in 2002, all we had was like a message board, right? And we didn't. Have, there was no streaming video. Like you had to be, you know, like three percent of people had DSL or whatever. Um, and there was an absolutely no cable or high speed. So, so, and also we shot from like September to February or March, right? So we we were able to be somewhat topical, and we did stay yes, topical with stuff the... like you know the Bill Clinton stuff and and. Um, you know, other things. And if we had to push something to a Saturday show where it's like, no, we have to get this on, which we certainly would do every once in a while, we would just go ahead and do it. But we didn't have that challenge that you had, which is you've got to do all this stuff September, October or whatever, shoot a bank of these things. Yeah. And then air them until the new year. And meanwhile, the Internet's blowing up and you've got new news things. Yeah, that 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 would be extremely frustrating no you're walking out you're walking out into a monologue mark with a suit on no there's no what are you talking about what are you talking about yeah (laughs) no you can't do a monologue and then people would die yeah people would die right remember oh no i can't think of the who's the uh who's the african-american 60 minutes uh correspondent ed uh ed bradley ed bradley I I weirdly made an Ed Bradley joke. I don't even know how I got to it, which no one has ever done. (laughs) And then I'm staying at home in February, and he dies. And I'm I'm going. Oh my God! I've got this show yeah, that's yeah. going to air with an Ed Bradley joke in it in two weeks. That's incredible. But there's nobody to call. We're down. There's no yeah. edit room. There's nothing. And I I know. And yeah. I'm sitting there. And I watch two weeks later. I have to watch this Ed yeah. Bradley joke go off, and then endure the heat from it as if I just made it that morning. Oh, that's incredible. So that's that was the experience I had there. Anyway, how did you get on to Mad TV? How, how did that come about? You're known primarily as a voices guy, like. Is, oh, oh, for sketch stuff? Yeah, yeah. 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 Where, where do you cut? You're Canadian? Yeah. You come from Canada? Yeah. How did you get into comedy? Uh, I just was always, I mean, those aforementioned shows were, you know, big influences on me when I was a kid and made me want to get into, you know, show business, I guess. And, uh, you know, later through watching the people that came out of those shows, you know, Monty Python and SCTV, Saturday Night Live, I uh, gained an appreciation for acting and was kind of an acting nerd and all that stuff as a kid and in high school and all these things. And, uh, yeah, I, I kind of got fortunate. I, I was very fortunate because I'm from Vancouver and there was a great deal of production happening there in the, like, late 80s, early 90s. And so I just kind of crashed a bunch of auditions and stuff and then, you know, I, I, you know, I got an agent when I was, like, 15. <laughs> How do you do that? I mean, in Canada, I don't even Are well, there agents in Vancouver? They, they've got agents now. They've got plumbing. They Did have, they back then? Uh, yeah. Yeah. They would, yeah. You would, they, would, they would come out of their igloos in the morning. And it was really something <laughs> what else. What is a Vancouver in. agent like back well, back then back when you're then saying, I'm going to be in show business? Yeah, they were what, Marty, Marty Muckaluck, whatever his name yep. is. What is he doing? Who is he representing at that point? Well, he's representing Lauren Green, and he's got a hand-cranked <laughs> Telefax. 
and he's basically just yeah he's sending you know cave drawings to right. uh, to the actors and mm-hmm. stuff who are interpreting those into whatever lines they may have for their <laughs> uh, audition for Littlest Hobo and only your Canadian listeners if you have any would know what that is um, yeah I, I, I there was a, there was a bunch of American shows were shooting there American movies were shooting there. And then Canadian shows. Were so the smaller there. parts. So they might bring in the stars of the show, but they need people to do under fives and, yeah. and other stuff. Yeah. And, and so there's a vibrant little business there. Yeah. And what do your parents do? What were they up to? My father is a. My parents are from Italy. Uh huh. And um, they, you know, immigrated from Italy. My brother and sister were born in Italy, and then I was the, you know, mistake later. And then uh, <laughs> they, 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 yeah. My dad was a maitre d' and a, and a waiter. And was at the Hotel Vancouver, which was like the spot, you know, in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, my mom stayed home primarily and then worked later in in, in uh, hospitals and stuff as like a candy striper and that sort of thing. Nurse's assistant. and, and uh, So you yeah. said, I'm going to be a sketch comedian. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, I want to act. <laughs> and what did they say? They were like, okay. I mean, the, the, They're the, cool with it. The advantage- did they even understand what you were saying? That's a tough thing to relate to parents. I tell you, my... One of my uh, one of the things I would love is if I was back home visiting uh, and Mad TV was airing, you know, and Mad TV episode was on, I would watch it with them, and uh, you know, I would sit there. My mom, my mom's got an incredible <laughs> sense of humor. My mom understands who everyone mm-hmm. is, very topical, and knows all this stuff, and just laughs and laughs. My old man, you know, he hasn't laughed, you know, since 1978. So he's. You know, he would sit there and, and he would kind of, you know, smirk and go, okay, yeah, yeah. And I go, Dad, who who am I? I mean, he knows he knows who the politicians are. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, Dad, who am I? He's like, ah, you know, I don't know. You know, funny, you wear glasses and you, uh, you're you singing. Yeah, but who am I? Yeah, I don't know. I'm Elton John. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know who Elton John is? No, no, I don't know. So, yeah, they had no – the good thing about having immigrant parents is they're like, do whatever you want to do, just – Love it because mm-hmm. we don't quite know what this new world is anyway, you know. Or, or are you not a fishmonger? But <laughs> so long as you love what you do, and they're still they still don't know what the heck I'm doing. Uh huh. Um, they they you know they understand kind of, but uh, yeah, I think that's really I think it was a was a wonderful thing to just have you know parents who are like okay and you know but just good luck. Yeah, they're very loving. So where so where is your big break in Vancouver? Like where does it happen? And I, Will, we're gonna need some AC in here. It's getting hot under these bright lights here at Podcast One. Yeah, gee whiz, we got the blacked out. I give the same note every time. You can just freeze us up to 63 degrees like David Letterman. Did you know David Letterman liked to keep his uh, studio at 63 degrees? I'd, exactly? never, I'd never been in the <clears throat> studio. I, I'd never, I would have loved to have gone and watched the show or w- whatever. I, I, um, I'd only heard. I did not know it was 63. Even better, uh, right before rehearsal, there was a, a janitor guy who would hold a thermometer. He had to stand there. That was his job to make sure it was exactly 63. Wow. So you'd see him on the camera, on the rehearsal camera up in your monitors up there. That's amazing. <laughs> right. Just holding it. He would just be standing there like this, like a sentinel. That's true. A little mercury <laughs> thermometer. <laughs> and when it got to 63, Dave would come down. That's incredible. Yeah. It, it's uh, it, like. Because that uh, was ideal comedy temperature for Dave. Uh, it's, 63. Yeah, it's funnier when it's cold. When it gets hot, you, you know. You can't be funny. You don't want to be podcasting hot. No. No. Hot, the hot podcast. Tonight. <laughs> we, got the, we got the infrared sauna. We're in here. We're going to make some comedy. So you're in Canada. You get an agent. Yeah. You I, book some gigs. Yeah, I book some thingies. And then... And then, then what? How do you get to Mad TV? Well, I did... Uh, you know, it's Mad TV already on the air, right? It's already on when you're and they're looking for a new cast. That's right, uh, Mad TV. They I, I joined in their third season. They kind of half the cast was cleared out, um, uh, or you know left or whatever. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, no, I, when I was in Canada, I was doing uh, in my teens. I was on like a teen drama for like five years. It was like sort of a Canadian my so-called life, and that was great, you know, because um, it, it, you know it, it really. I got to go to acting school with, mm-hmm. you know, there was all the stuff I'd done before that and all the nerdiness, you know, of being uh, into it and all the plays in high school. But there was this, it was an unbelievable experience with really great writing and, cre- you know, the show was a nice show and, uh, you know, looked good and blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, you know, there's a handful of us young people learning from each other and, and experiencing it together. And then from there, I kind of... Uh, um, well, I, I had, I got a part in Happy Gilmore when I was like, I guess I was 18 or 19 
Wow, that's and, huge. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was, Is it that was, shooting in Vancouver, too? That was shooting in Vancouver. <laughs> and Yeah, and I played one of the movers at the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie. Then the same director. Did you get to meet Adam Sandler? Yeah, yeah. Our scenes were with Adam. He's great. Yeah. He's in so fact, yeah, I think I just watched that with you in it with my kids. I have a nine and seven year old, and they're in the Sandler stage of their comedy experience. Sandler oh, yeah. and Simpsons, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but both of them really enjoyed that movie. Yeah. So you must be thrilled. There you are with Adam Sandler. I was blown away. Blown I away. I couldn't believe I got to do that. Then the next year, the same director, uh, Dennis Dugan, was doing uh, Beverly Hills Ninja. Who and is Dennis Dugan now as a kid? He, was, he had his he own TV was show, on, right? What was he on? Rockford Files? I'm more familiar with his work as a director, but I remember watching him. He starred. He had a, a drama. He was, when right. he was young, he was. <clears throat> That's right. Look he, up Dennis Dugan, Will, and tell us what it was. It wasn't. I, I'm, I'm, it's not Dugan ha, Doogie Hauser. I know that, but he yeah, had he his own it. series as a kid. But yeah. go ahead and continue. He uh, yeah. So uh, so then um, so so yeah. So I, I uh, he was like, ah, I think you might be right for this part, and and uh, so I sent in a tape and and. Uh, it was great. So then I got to work with Chris Farley, who's, you know, wow. I mean, Sandler and Farley are both, you know, idols of mine. And um and Chris Rock was in was in uh, Beverly Hills Ninja. So it was it was surreal for me. Uh, so which Chris Farley did you get to uh to be with? Come on now. <laughs> was he in control? Cuz I had uh, you know, I I was around Chris for for some stuff at SNL. What do you got? It was Rockford Files. Rockford Files. TV shows yeah. included Mod Squad, Waltons, Cannon, Columbo. What was Rockford his Files. character? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. He had, because I swear he had a little spinoff show after a while. It was. All right. You keep this. looking. Let me find this. <laughs> well, that's cool. Uh, Farley, you know, was he your hero after you met him? Weren't you also just afraid of that energy? What, did any of it spook you? No. No, no, I, I, I describe uh, Chris Farley as someone who was a, I mean, he was so sweet to mm-hmm. everyone. He was. And then you know, there's there's the the demons that you know uh, took it took him early. Uh, that I didn't really get to you know witness all that much. I, I got a bit of a chance to hang out with him here and there, but um, it was crazy. I remember going to his uh, apartment after an SNL party. He's like, come on, everybody, we're all going to my apartment. <laughs> we all went in. It was this empty apartment. Oh, it wow. wasn't it wasn't any furniture in it. There was like one chair and a TV. <laughs> you know, that was his his life was pretty disorganized at that point. And like you said, he was great, really loving, funny guy. Yeah. But I think I might, you know, now I was a lot younger then. Now I might look back at that and be kind of terrified at the way he was living. Yeah, you know? yeah. And no. it was pretty, you know, it wasn't it was it was all fun and games then. It's like, hey, let's let's drink whiskey, you know, and right. whatever drugs yeah, he might yeah, have been yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you just think, well, this is hilarious. This is just a party. This is just the way it is. Now now I might look back at that and go, ah, this guy's in big trouble and I might not uh, – I shouldn't be around it maybe. Yeah, I don't want to help. It's, it's interesting. It's like um, – <clears throat> yeah, I don't know what it is that, that – uh, well, I, I guess I – I guess I do know what it is because I've seen you know you just see so much of it when mm-hmm. you're in show business. The you know, but but it's it, it's it's very human. It's it's not limited to show business. Mm-hmm. But of course, the trappings of fame will make will make uh, things that can take you over a whole lot more accessible, mm-hmm. a whole lot more accepted. And there's not a lot of people to tell you no. So yeah, I kind of feel like that that was you know, the, yeah, it's it's a. Uh, it's interesting, yeah. You know, All still, right, well, th- Mad TV. Tell me how you get on Mad TV. Uh, Mad TV, I, I, um, yeah, they, they, they cleared out half the cast after their. But who calls you? Like, how do they even hear about you? How, how did it? You know, your discovery moment. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, well, there was, there was, I, my manager Danielle Dell, who I've been with now for like 21 years, who's incredible. Um, you know, I was working with her, and I was uh, living here, and and. Uh, and had gone in, you know, it was pilot season, and you're mm-hmm. going in for a bunch of pilots and stuff. But I was also doing, you know, I was also kind of a weirdo comedy guy. And then, um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, they they literally, it was it was the the casting director Mark Hirschfeld. Oh, it, I know Mark. You know, Mark, Mark was on Seinfeld. With yeah, us. he was. He, he was, was our casting director. That's right. Yeah, he was the cast director oh, he's for the Seinfeld. Best. Also, Friends, right? Yeah, I he, think so. I'm not so sure. He's responsible for some incredible 
stuff over his career, and and then you know, and has been aside from being a casting director. Of Were you the, on Seinfeld? No. Were you ever on the show? Were you no. never ever brought in? No, no. I, 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 it was one of those things where it was one of those things where I was you know I was reading for him a lot for this and that. Right, right. And and um, and yeah, it was really because of you know Danielle and 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 Mark, uh, who you know Mark was like, well, here's this you know you got to see this guy. And I just went in there and and uh, and what did you do for your audition? We had to write three monologues, like perform three characters, and do some of their stuff. I think I did two of their sketches, just uh-huh. in, a, in a traditional audition. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, um, I, and this is weird, but I did not know that I was supposed to be doing <laughs> impersonations, <laughs> which was odd. <laughs> so then, uh, <laughs> so what do you mean? I, <laughs> I just didn't. I misunderstood that part of the assignment. I so guess. when you walked in, what did you do? They said, "What impersonations do you got?" And what did you say? I said, oh, okay. Uh, and I just started doing <laughs> ones that I'd done, literally a bunch of them that I'd just done with friends and stuff. Right. I'd never had an Like outlet. what? What were they? Do you remember? Yeah. I was doing like uh, – I was doing Jesse Ventura, but I was doing like <laughs> – but doing like Jesse Ventura uh, commentating WWF wrestling with Gorilla Monsoon like in the 80s. Like, you know, I'll give credit where credit is due, Monsoon. Close, as o- close only counts in horseshoe. And hand grenades, monsoon, you know, just shit like that. Wow, sound bites of. of... I'm amazed you did not wilt in that. I, I would die in that situation. I mean, I'm already. I, I've been to a handful of, of auditions, but if I walked in and I had nothing prepared, it'd be over. To do, to do, yeah, yeah. I yeah, might just was... lay on the ground in a fetal position, and then they'd have to drag me out. I but mean, you I'm just, not... you nail it. That was great. What well, it probably like... didn't sound like that. It was probably like, hey, monsoon. <laughs> I'm a monsoon. Horseshoes, hand grenades, credit What due. else? What else? Monsoon. Did... What was the second one? Do you remember? Uh, probably a shit ton of wrestlers. Um, so you like professional wrestling. So I you... like wrestling and comedy. <laughs> like, yeah, I did like a bunch of just like sound bites. And they're right. like, yeah, here's this fat jukebox. Maybe and where, did the room laugh? Yeah, they were very... Kind. It yeah. was a very sweet room, and mm-hmm. and and uh, it, it it really. I mean, it wasn't. It was a pressure cooker, right? And there was it was a long audition process, and blah blah blah. Who was in the room? David. Uh, uh, David Salzman. David Salzman. Fax right. Bar and Adam Small. Oh, okay, Fax and Adam are great. Uh, awesome guys. Who who are there from In Living Color? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there you go. That, that, that's my confusion. There it is. <laughs> Not the fact that it's yeah. early in the morning and I'm sleepy. <laughs> you know, uh, my wife gets up at 4.30 in the morning, Will. What? And this is what happens. I, I put Jim Carrey on the wrong show. I got three hours of sleep. Three there's, hours of sleep. There's a 4.30 in the morning? Yeah. Now? Why? When did they add this? Why? Don't yeah. If you're listening, don't tell Erica I'm talking about her in the podcast. <laughs> but it's ridiculous that she's getting up at 4. That's like CEOs get up at 4.30 in the morning. She's yeah. not a CEO, all right? She's a mom. That's she wants incredible. to go work out. But she's she's ruining me. I'm dying from this five days a week. Anyway. She gets up at 4.30. She's getting up at 4.30. That's incredible. And I'm going to bed at midnight or 1. You see what's happening there? Yeah. I'm well, starting to lose it. <laughs> Well, we're on a segue. Richie Brockelman, that's the character. Richie Brockelman, that's it. <laughs> Richie that was his Brockelman, on, that was on... the character. Okay, I know that because my brother and I used to play Richie Brockelman growing up. We were huge Rockford Files fans. And every once in a while when we played superheroes, he would be Richie Brockelman. You were, so, so it was like the Flash, Spider-Man, and Richie Brockelman? <laughs> Richie Brockelman. A lot of times it would be Batman, Underdog, and Richie Brockelman. That's <laughs> and it would you'd put towels, you'd wrap them around. Everybody had capes, no yeah, matter what. No and, matter what. Yeah, Especially, and then you'd fight. You want to talk about a topical sketch? <laughs> <laughs> Underdog and Richie Brockelman. No. Anyway, I, this audition is fascinating to me. Yeah, it was be- crazy. It was it was fun, and then uh, because you nail it. Who and the other? You don't remember the other ones you did? Uh, I I actually did a little bit of Chris Farley. Um, you did? Yeah, because well, that's I was interesting. Yeah, because I. I just worked with him the year previous on Beverly Hills Ninja and and just had, you know, I had stories, you know, sort of my stories um, uh, that I would tell my friends, like, about working with the legendary Chris Farley, which were, you know, basically basically about how he was, he was you know, he was such a sweetheart to everybody, and then his assistant, Ted, would annoy him. 
and I would just do like just sort of <laughs> this dialogue between him and his assistant, Dan, mm-hmm. which I was talking up this. I, I was just couldn't get enough of this relationship between <laughs> Chris Farley and this guy who's like six foot six. And right. when he had one of those heads that were too big for hats, you know, when you put mm-hmm. a, a grown person hat on a dude with a big head and lots of hair. And it just looked he looked like a like a Sesame Street version of someone wearing a hat. And then. uh yeah, just stories about him like r- running into them after we shot the movie and and just like uh which of course I had been talking up Ted to my friends and then we run into I run into Chris Farley and 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 I'm like, "Hey, Ted." And he was so you know, happy that someone had remembered him and so he started talking and said some shit that Chris wanted to say and then Chris got upset with him and yeah, anyway. So uh yeah, you know, just long I basically just told stories and in, in voices that were 60 to 75% there. <laughs> and uh, that seemed to be enough for a comedy in the 90s. It totally is. You're listening to my guest, Will Sasso. His new show is Louder Milk. It premieres October 17th at 10.30 on the AT&T Audience Network. We'll be right back with Spike's Comedy Radio. When you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure that you're getting real pricing on actual inventory. Unfortunately, a lot of times, this isn't the case. People configure cars online only later to find out they're not available. This just happened to my brother. Well, with True Car, you get real pricing on actual inventory. This is not pricing offered by True Car, but pricing from an actual dealer. And not just any dealer, but a True Car certified dealer. This is a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. Next, TrueCar will show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. Now you know what a fair price is, so you can feel confident. And don't we all want to feel confident? Over 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. There are over 13,000 TrueCar Certified Dealers nationwide. You will work directly with a TrueCar Certified Dealer contact. TrueCar users are more likely to enjoy a fast buying process when they connect with TrueCar Certified Dealers. TrueCar users save an average of over $3,000 off MSRP. When you're ready to buy, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. And guess what? I'm not telling you what features and what states. Hey, it's Jay Moore, and it is time, finally, for America's Lakers podcast. That's right, I'm going to be hosting America's Lakers podcast. My man, Aaron Larsoul, an analytical genius, he's going to bring to the table what I can't every Wednesday. America's Lakers podcast exclusively at podcastone.com, the podcastone.com app, which I highly recommend. You can rate and review this podcast on all Apple products. And guess what we're not going to do? We're not going to bathe in the gossip and the gratuitous negativity that's been swallowing Los Angeles whole lately. Who did what? Who snitched? Who said what? How about truth? How about facts? How about statistics? How about rotations? What's Luke Walton thinking? Who's underperforming? Who's overachieving? Who's rewarded? Who's coming? Who's going? And what are we going to do with all that delightful, delicious cap space? America's Lakers podcast with me, Jay Moore, and my man, my brother, Aaron Larsoul, every Wednesday, podcast1.com. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. All right, we're back with Will Sasso talking about Loudermilk. Let's get into Loudermilk. First of all, what what is Loudermilk? What well, is the name of this show? Did you write the show and executive producer? Did you just nope. star in it? No, I'm just one of the actors. Okay. And, uh, it was written by Bobby Mort. And okay. then uh, Peter Farrelly uh, read that script and, and uh, you know, developed it further with Bobby. And and, and he's uh, in it too, right? Peter Farrelly of the Farrelly Brothers. Is yeah. He... It's, it, Pete, uh, he does not appear in the show unless I missed he it. He doesn't. Something. Okay. I don't know. Maybe he had a... A little small role. Sometimes you... Uh, you so this is the original like Three Stooges crew a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and what is it about? It, tell Loudermilk us what Loudermilk is, about, is. is about Ron Livingston's character is named Sam Loudermilk. And he's, uh, he's, in, he's, he's sort of a sponsor in recovery for you know, alcohol. And uh, he's a, you know, one of those meeting leaders who, who uh, is, is uh, working with others in that sort of recovery setting. And uh, the, the interesting thing about Loudermilk is, you know, and what we hope people will enjoy is he's extremely unfiltered. He's a very unfiltered guy. And, and uh, it's, you know, aside from the fact that, you know, working with the likes of Ron Livingston and, and Pete Farrelly and, and, and Bobby Mort also uh, was, was very attractive to me. When I read the script, it was, um, I mean, I was laughing out loud because the, the character is, is such an abrasive asshole. And I think it's coming along at the, you know, the right time in television where you can be more of an abrasive asshole mm-hmm. and sort of, 
you know, what, you know, television has taught us over the past, you know, 10, 15 years in cable is that, you know, you don't always have to be the hero or the nice guy. And he's certainly principled, but he's got, he's got a very specific set of morals, uh, mm-hmm. Sam Loudermilk. And, um, he's, you know, he's, uh, he's sort of surrounded by people who are broken, uh, like his roommate. I'm, I play his roommate and, uh, and I'm also his sponsor. Um, and then uh, you you start to find out that I'm not altogether there, and perhaps you know it's the blind leading the blind, mm-hmm. and, and so it's just this fucked up guy, um, you know, trying to help these messed up people, uh, and and uh, and yeah, he's just he's just extremely abrasive, and there's you know Pete the the great thing about Pete Farrelly and, and the meter that he has is is that. Uh, you know, there, there's there's a lot of the stuff that he's done with you know with Dumb and Dumber and something mm-hmm. about Mary and, mm-hmm. and these these kinds of movies and the Stooges working with him on the Stooges. You know, Pete Pete ha- well first of all Pete has like the best the best meter on comedic on comedic timing I've ever been around for a director. I, I've I've never seen anything like it. It's to the millisecond. So you know, and if you don't do it right, he's like no 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 you you went well, what am I supposed to do? Oh, okay. What did I do? Oh, okay. So, uh, no, so that was good, his, though. That's his way of delivering a line, Reed. He yeah, does, da, 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 da. He's like, I don't I remember know what you, you said. That. That's da, da, da. good. That's a really good solution. Yeah, you know, it's all music. You know, comedy's a lot like jazz, Spike. Oh, but, it's, but, you know, some actors will not want the line read, and they'll get angry at you. But if you say, da-da-da-da. Yeah, you've got this nice middle ground. Yeah, da 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 da. da. Yeah, no, he does do the line reading, but also, <laughs> but also, if you can't take a line reading from Pete Farrelly, why don't you get the fuck out of show business? You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, there you go. Stupid actors. Now like, no, 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 that's r- not how I'm going to do it. Well, then do it your way. What you can't hear a song and then sing it your own way, or what? Shut up! Like it's a television show. Shut the shut up. Yeah, yeah. Now we get him riled yeah, up. We, yeah, Will Sasso's yeah, ranting. This yeah, is where I like Yeah, the this real show. raw Will Sasso. Like Sasser. louder milk. Is this, this how louder milk rants? Yeah, he goes like this. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I'd like to write an episode. My 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 take on louder milk would be why don't you shut up? <laughs> um yeah, so the, the So wait, uh, well, let's talk about the AT&T audience network. I love all these new networks the way they're popping up. Yeah. It's this I, I I thought I saw audience on. This is a cable network, right? Yeah, well, and, it's it's uh, AT and well uh, in a merger between AT and T. And they've now TV merged and, with AT and T, and they're yeah. where are they putting their money into? Are they making primarily comedy content or drama? Because most Both. of these companies just make drama, and they hope they get the next Game of Thrones, yes. and everybody but what right? And they watch the channel. Uh, there seems to be yeah. There's a there's and no a, one quite cares anymore. We, none of us care where these shows live. True. We just want a good show, a funny show, and, yeah. right? It, it, what uh, what are they up to? They're doing well. You know, they um, yeah. After AT and T acquired uh, Directv, they they decided well let's have our own network, mm-hmm. which makes perfect sense. So the Audience Network was born, and they've uh, you know they they there is some some drama, and now they're moving more into comedy as well, and sort of filling out that lineup. And uh, yeah, it's really interesting because of course. Ten years ago, you'd be like, "What? I'm not. I don't, what network is that?" And now, you know, I mean, it sort of seems like since AMC did what they did, right? With uh, with the Mad Men and Breaking Bad, yeah, it literally doesn't matter. You know, the Food Network presents <laughs> Louder Milk, so it doesn't matter where you're, what you're on. You um, just need people watching it and looking yeah. for it, right? But, and but I'm f- guessing it also lives online and on phones and mobile and everywhere else. Yeah, right? there's the Directv Now app. Oh, uh, I can watch it on that. You can watch oh, it on that's right. DirecTV is now, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, nowadays, these kids, <laughs> they take a telephone and they watch, they'll watch other kids play video games <laughs> or they'll watch uh, reruns of uh, fa- fa- Family Ties. Uh, no, you know, what? I, now that we're talking about telephones, all right, I want to talk about your vines. Oh. How long? Are you still making these vines? No, no, no. Thank goodness. No, I only did it for I like the first six months of the year. I was app. doing my research on you, and I happened upon these vine compilations. And if you're listening and you're near your phone or your internet, and you are because you're listening. No, some, a lot of people are in cars. I don't want them to do it while they're no, driving. Don't do it while but, you're driving. Uh, search Will Sasso's vine compilations on YouTube and just play these. And I defy you not to die laughing. These, these were so fun. I didn't know you did these. But oh yeah, they're fun. They're this fun is to do. like highly charged little comedy bites that you're so good at. 
Oh, and cheers. And they really made me laugh. Oh, awesome. Like, I was That's really cool. laughing hard at all the Schwarzenegger stuff. Oh, cool. Like, your take on Schwarzenegger was he has to drive wherever he is. So Yeah, that it's, was – bef- sorry. It seemed like wherever you were traveling and you were in a town car, yeah. you would put your hand out in front of the camera with a cigar and go, let me drive. Yeah. <laughs> and you would get the driver to scream back at you, shut yeah. up. <laughs> Which was incredible, like – that, that you can <laughs> literally cast your driver if I was doing something work related. I thought you got st- great, uh, great performances out of all of these regular people. I and tell then Bobby you. Lee, I saw Bobby Lee in one. And, yep. And I saw a lot of just you goofing around in a hotel room. Okay. I, you know, just because I don't quite <laughs> understand. The more you describe it, the sadder it gets. Like, no, no. The- yeah, you're dicking around in a hotel room, and there's another one where you're. Yeah, well, you're you alone these... and you're naked. You're eating uh, <laughs> fucking salad out of a you giant You have these takes bowl. that you would do to pay them off with like uh, like a lemon in your mouth that you would squeeze that would – like you're vomiting lemon and then vomiting an orange, then vomiting water. And I thought all of it was really inspired and really funny. Like I understand those comedic rhythms. You Cheers. know, if you look at it, you might go, this is a bunch of silliness. But it's, it's very Python-esque. Because you're finding not only the funny thing and the funny sound, but it's a very satisfying funny thing. Oh, cheers. You know what I mean? It, it just describing it to people, they're going, what are you talking about? Squeezing a lemon in your mouth? Go watch it, and then you'll know what I'm talking about. Well, I, and, and you know what I'm saying when I say about satisfying uh, comedic imagery? Well, I, uh, no. Do you get no, that? I, no, no, you not don't. really. No, i got to be honest. you're doing it, and you probably don't know you're doing it. <laughs> I know what makes me laugh, I guess. And you're doing it on those cuts. Like, how, in, a, in a Vine, were you editing that stuff, or is it just holding the app down, stopping, and doing the next shot? That's right. You have to hold – it's <clears> in, in-app editing. You have to hold your thumb down. And right. And anyone who is into that app will tell you, and if any of your listeners were, were into it themselves, you would do it – you know, five, ten, fifteen times to get it right. Oh, right, right. So then, so there I am in my kitchen like a jackass with a <laughs> lemon in my mouth, spitting water all over the floor. Literally, that's literally. what I liked. That's what I liked about it, knowing that you were doing that. Yeah, I should have done. There should have been like the, uh, the, you know, like the documentary version of it, the uh, the uh, Hearts of Darkness version, where you see, you just see me at like you know midnight trying to get a, a vine, a vine right, and a lemon to pop out of my mouth, and just you know, but, uh, water up to my ankles. You're taking. On Schwarzenegger was great. The driving around thing. It's him driving around, yelling at people or, you know, women on the sidewalk, I like you, you're hired, you're hired, and then just ranting at fast, in fast food lines with <laughs> the drive through And what I, what I loved about that is I, I live on the west side of L.A., and I see, I see Schwarzenegger doing this. Really? Yeah, he, he's always driving around with a cigar in a Veyron or a Hummer, yeah. and now I have some words to put with the, the imagery that I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. You know, look at this. In here, yeah, Abbot Kenny. Uh, you know, I bought up half of this block here, and then me and Franco Colombo, we built that wall there, 1981. We we, we got out here with the you know the the bricks, and we made it. And now it's a restaurant. Why are you eating so much fast food, Arnold? You know, because look, you have to have good fats. You know, everybody tell you don't eat eggs. That's bullshit. Eat <laughs> eggs. Put the egg in a fat burger. Yeah, that way you get more fat. It's called fat burger. You go there, you order the, you know, the burger. You have the cola. It, it really the sugar gets with the fat. It makes it put it in your, in your body. Where did you come up with that take? Well, on him. I, why the driving? Tell be, me why the driving. To me, it was like. To me, it was like. I kind of looked at it like a, like a. You know, here's this app at, where you can make these little six-second skits, and it's like, well, what do you have? I mean, maybe in your experience, too, during doing your show at Fox. At Mad TV, it was like we would write things, and the writers would write things, mm-hmm. and we would come up with things based on, you know, it's like, hey, this, you know, this courtroom set cost us $15,000. <laughs> We're leaving it here for a month. <laughs> write courtroom sketches. Yes. So when you're, you know, you've got this app. You don't have a set. You don't have anything. I'm like, well, I live in L.A. and I drive a lot. And this is a, this is before Oprah made us all promise not to drive and text. So I'm like, well, he's – It's Oprah's fault. Yeah, fucking Oprah. Uh, you know, you're at a stoplight and it's like, come on, go. Come on, fucking go. Like just like the idea that Arnold is is in his car waiting for people, you know, at stoplights or, you know. Uh, but you have, But you have a cigar, so – yeah, which so is sad. You don't smoke I, cigars. You're driving with cigars. I now. literally would have a cigar just sitting there in my, you know, in my dashboard. Uh-huh. 
like like oh well I might need this cigar for a six second <laughs> sketch because I'm a scumbag, I'm an idiot. What do you make any money off vines? Nope, Did nothing. Never made a dime. The, in order to make money off a of vine, you had to do a sponsored ad, and they started you know they started like. Once it got popular, pretty much after after I got off the app, that's when all the kids started making money. Mm-hmm. But also, it was kids making money. And I'm uh, at least, you know, on my tax returns, it says that I'm a professional actor. So I can't really justify making a, you know, like, hey, try out this dating app, like, on my Vine, which would just, I mean, I'm, it's already sad. To be doing like a Robert De Niro impersonation <clears throat> in your house with a you know a wig I, that was great, but you bail on it. You take the wig off, and then yeah, you but, feel sad that you just did the Robert De Niro impression. And that's the Hearts of Darkness side of it. I feel like <laughs> I literally was like, oh, I can't really do this, can I? Like, can I really sit in my house and find the right light and go? I would literally go to one room in my house where I go, oh, this is the perfect lighting. For just like a white backdrop to do these De Niro things. Right. And after I was like, oh, it'd be funny if he's like ordering Chinese food or he's, you know, uh, reading tweets or whatever. And then I go, this is so sad. I'm by myself (laughs) in my house doing this De Niro thing. So it became part of it where it's like you ripping the wig off and getting upset at myself. They all end that way. That was really funny. Because it's, yeah, it's... Who's the derelict character? The the one with the bloody nose who was shot and buried in the backyard? Oh, that's uh, Corey. Corey. Because See, I, I would have hired you based on the Vine compilation I just watched this for. I was just like, this is amazing. Why is this not a show? This is this is killing me. Yeah, I don't know why it's not a show. I tried. But uh, <laughs> I tried. You know how it goes. So, no, I think there's something there. I've been watching a lot of uh, Eric Andre, too, on his show, his Adult Swim show. Yeah. Just these little YouTube compilations where they just get to just the good stuff. You know, I just wish now there could be a bigger Will Sasso show that's just that stuff. Well, don't hold your breath. <laughs> but I tell you what, I had a good time making vines. <laughs> On Watch go- Loudermilk, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we put some of those around there. All right, let's talk Three Stooges because uh, we're right. both Three Stooges fans. Oh, are you? Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, you know, we grow up watching. Are you minor, If you're watching Monty Python, did you ever watch The Goodies growing up? No. That was a British comedy troupe. They were kind of they, – that's what they put on uh, in between Monty Python's uh, seasons on PBS. Oh, that's okay. how we would catch it in, the, in Massachusetts. Um, <clears throat> but when you ran out of everything else, in the mor- in the, usually Saturday mornings you had the Three Stooges. That's right. So it was a show uh, my brother and I watched constantly. We – you know, it's funny. When I think back, I didn't laugh as hard as that as, as I laughed at SNL or Monty Python was really it. That show made me consistently bust out laughing yeah. out loud. Uh, Three Stooges, I watched – Pretty much every Three Stooges episode, <laughs> but it didn't laugh uh, as much except for one scene where a bear drives a car. I don't know if you remember. They're out in the woods. The bear steals their car. I don't remember that. And then he, he, he signals for a turn, which he's, he's awesome. able to signal for a turn, and he makes the turn, but then he crashes. <laughs> but we were always like, well, he can shift gears, and he can steer the car and signal, but he can't he can't drive straight. Is that what you're saying? But – um. <laughs> You know, tell me about how you got this. This movie always, uh, this Three Stooges movie always confused me. Why the why they made it? Mm-hmm. Um, um, but then I watched it, and then I loved it because I realized it was it was you guys celebrating the Three Stooges. Cheers! And yeah. you know, if you're a guy, especially we we all have this shared love for these three guys, Absolutely, right? Yeah. So yeah, you played uh, Curly, mm-hmm. um, Jerome Lester Horvitz, yeah, and uh, Sean Hayes was Larry. Sean and, Hayes, and right? Christy Amentopoulos played Mo. And 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 did you audition for that part? Did yes. you go in? Who who else was up for that part? Do you know? Uh, no, I, no, I don't know who was up for the the round that that you know the the auditioning and sort of the incarnation of the right. film that and what what well, what was the take they were saying you know I, I remember when it was announced i was like well what are they doing a biopic is this right. going to be the serious side of the stooges we haven't seen with right. mo drinking his cc and ginger and the fighting <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah what did you have a creative meeting about it how was it pitched to you uh well actually i first heard about the film about uh i don't know 7 8 9 years before the mm-hmm. film got made uh, because they were they were wanting to make the movie, and the Fairley brothers are great fans of the Stooges, and and uh, and and uh, yeah, I, I got called into a meeting with Pete, and 
he said, uh, he goes, yeah, I've been hearing your name around, you know, because Curly and you're fat and bald. And then, uh, so then, <laughs> thank uh, you. Yeah, I was like, all right. I'm like, you could also shave Kevin James' head or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, he said, uh, you know, here's some DVDs and just watch it. And we'll be in touch. Right. And then seven or eight years went by. Some DVDs of what? Uh, Stooges. Of Stooges. He, he would just, just in was, case you hadn't seen it, but you'd seen it. Yeah, clearly. Right? But he was like, well, we want you to, you know, here, right. watch it, you know. I can't um, think of any part that would be more difficult to play than playing Curly. It was Do you know what I'm saying about that? Like you're trying to play someone who is so iconic. Yeah, and, and it, was, it was interesting, yeah. Do you know what I'm trying to articulate it? That like it almost seems like you you nobody can really do these impressions. Well, it, it, I would be so frightened at that moment that it, maybe I'm making a mistake. Sure. You sure. know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, you have to watch it I, you know, I sort of started watching it in a different way than I would mm-hmm. to just enjoy it. But I found in the end I was just enjoying it. Once you've done all your homework and you're, mm-hmm. you know, you, 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 you start capturing the isms, you know, however many isms you can get and however many isms that Curly had, when you're watching it <laughs> and studying it, once you, once you kind of get – and this is some weird nerdy stuff. But like once you get – once you have – sort of witnessed and and whether or not you're able to do them once you once you've once you've sort of started to perform more isms than there are not like once you get over 50 percent then you start to feel comfortable going this is what jerome lester horowitz would have done right in this take in this take in this take did did you do a deep dive on him like emotion did you dive into his history or were Uh, you just watching tape on him and trying to do an impression i i had a couple conversations with billy west who Oh, I love Billy. I know Billy. He's amazing. I love that we're having a serious curly conversation too. I hope you people are enjoying this because I'm really enjoying it. It's it's we're digging deep deep. on curly this week, folks. Spikes curly radio, but continue more on curly. Well, you know, Billy does an amazing. Well, he does them all. He does all three of them, and he's a huge uh, Stooges fan. And he's a huge voiceover guy. And he was working at WBCN in Boston when I was growing up. So he was that that guy. I knew this guy who I later met in New York, and had lunch with Larry from the Three Stooges sister. Really, (laughs) Larry's fine. It was Lila Feinberg was her name. Amazing. And she was married to the sound effects guy for the Three Stooges, the guy that made the bonks. And really, yeah. And and the I, guy who would have also in vaudeville like stood off stage yes, with two two by fours. They got really? married. He That's amazing. he married Larry's sister Lila, and 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 my friend Eddie Gordetsky, who's a writer and who I was uh, who, who I knew in New York and was a friend. And Billy West, they called me up and they said, "Do you want to have lunch with Larry from the Three Stooges sister?" And I you know I dropped the phone on the floor and I just said, "Where? When?" That's amazing. And she looked when I when I showed she looked just like Larry but with boobs. That's amazing. And. She talked like Larry. That's the incredible. same voice. It really was one of those. You know, I, I didn't say a word. Salad, please. I, yeah, I, my mouth was just open the whole time, going, "What? This is wild." I wow. never expected this moment when I moved to New York. Wow. Never expected it. It that's was really wild. great. <laughs> yeah, that's trippy. That would be very trippy. <laughs> well, a female Larry, it's pretty trippy. That is very trippy. Yeah. The only thing worse, the only uh, this is a terrible Three Stooges story, and I think it was this same crew. Um, uh, you know, back in the day when when you're in comedy, you're always – everybody's trading half-inch tapes mm-hmm. of outtakes and yeah. this and that. One was passed under my uh, – uh, into my office that was uh, these uh, – you know, Larry had a stroke later on in mm-hmm. life and was living yeah. in, a, in an in adult care retirement place. And, and a couple of kids went in there to do a, a biography on him and shot interviews with him with his stroke face. I, I've seen some of this on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. It, that that was passed. I thought that was horrible, but yeah, uh, you know, yeah, 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 the way it was delivered, but still. <laughs> well, there... you have to. I had to take in every every Three Stooges <laughs> moment I could. Yeah. I had to somehow touch it. So I did. I did watch it. That's amazing. I have no Mo stories. I have no Mo stories and no Curly stories. But you're into the Larry. No, I was a Curly fan. I, yeah. Curly was the funny guy to me. Yeah, he's yeah, funny. Yeah. I loved how you played him in the movie. I oh, thought, thought you were really funny. And 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 Mo, you know, no, I, I, I like Larry. Yeah. What about you? Who who did you like? I gotta say, I mean, everybody loves Curly, and I love I love all three of them. I it's like Shemp. Pick. Yeah, Shemp is Shemp is very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of dynamically like Mo because he's so. 
pissed off. <laughs> Mo's, Mo's the smartest one, and at no point does he go, all right, you know what? Fuck you two guys. I'm out of here. You're on your own. I don't need you. And he's like the smartest one, but he's so angry all the time. I, and of course, being the smartest stooge is not, you know, is not saying much, but just sort of that, that archetypical like setup that they, you know, that triad that they created. Mm-hmm. Mo just makes me laugh really hard because he's so pissed off, but it's like, leave, get out of here. Larry's kind of, in my opinion, Larry's the, the most interesting because you go back and watch Larry and he's doing some weird stuff because mm-hmm. he's like, you know, if Mo is, Vanilla and Curly is chocolate. Larry is strawberry in that Neapolitan ice cream. He's like – he's doing weird stuff because there's really this heavy back and forth between Mo and Curly mm-hmm. and then Mo and Shemp later. And Larry's off doing – if you watch just Larry, he's making some very weird choices. And Larry's the one where you're like, you're smarter than the bald guy. Why don't you get out of here? Um, so I kind of like that Mo was so angry all the time mm-hmm. and yet never bailed on these two. And uh, and what yeah. was it like shooting the movie? I mean, when they said we're going to do this thing and we're going to make it crazy and we're going to make it funny, it's not really yeah. a biopic right. anyway. And you've got Larry David playing the crazy nun, right? And, you know, was it was it a great experience? It was on unbelievable. Set? It was unbelievable. Yeah, we had a, we had a blast. And now we have Jim Carrey again there in this movie, right? Well, he yeah, originally it was going to be Jim Carrey as Curly, Sean Penn as Larry, and uh, Benicio del Toro as Mo. That's right. Yeah. I remember this incarnation. And so I remember the moment where I was when I heard this announced on the radio and I yeah. went, "What? Yeah. Benicio del Toro? I think he would have pulled it off." <laughs> I just went, "What are they doing? Yeah. This is what I meant." Like at the time I was like, "What are these Farrelly brothers yeah. doing right now? <laughs> Benicio del Toro and Three Stooges are in the same sentence." He, it would have been What's happening. It would have been I wonder what the heck he would have done with it. I mean, it, it may it may have been like him in like Usual Suspects or something. Like, like, really, even the thing, if you don't get out of the way, I'm a knucklehead. I'm gonna flip you. What do you say? I'm gonna flip you. Um, but yeah, it was it was the three of them. And then I remember do, I did a table read for Sean Penn so he could hear the script. Uh, and <laughs> Wait, how is Sean Penn involved in it? Sean Penn was going to be Larry. He was going to be Larry. Yeah. Sean Penn. That's yeah. right. So I did a, I did oh my a, God, this a is table insane. read just, you know, when, when – and there was no way I was <laughs> involved at all. But just – you know, Wait, the, was Sean Penn in the room? Yeah, he was sitting this? there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's Benicio Del Toro and Sean Penn? No, it was just, just Sean Penn, <laughs> myself – uh, Billy was 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 reading Larry. Uh, Billy, Billy West. Billy West. Okay. Was sitting there, and we, 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 we yeah, we did the script, and just so that he could hear it. Okay. And then the then and the project, what was that like? How was he reacting? He Sean laughed. Penn? He was like he would go <laughs> like that. He'd be like, oh, I guess we're killing it. He would go. <laughs> it was very funny. And did he think he was shooting a comedy or a drama? Was he? Did he have his wits about him that day, or is he I a little no, lost? Or I, I don't know if I don't know if it I was mean that's a, a pretty intimidating room to be sitting there. Yeah. Reading curly lines. Yeah, to Sean Penn. Real weird. Really weird. Well, this is That's this a is a high degree of weirdness. I'll, I'll uh, look. I'll tell you. This is this is actually true. Sean Penn and Nicole Sullivan from Mad TV told me this, and I did not believe her. She said years ago, I mean, while we were still at the show, she goes, "You know who watches Mad TV?" <laughs> she goes, "Sean Penn watches Mad TV." I was like, "Get the fuck out of here." She's like, "No, I heard from so and so or whatever. She saw him at a party or whatever." Like, oh yeah, Sean Penn complimented us on this i'm like get shut up cut to um you know years later we're doing this table read for the stooges and after the table read mr sean penn <laughs> comes up to me and we're talking and he starts talking about mad tv and no I was way like, get out wow. of here I, he watched it with his kids or what but wow so he fantastic yeah it was crazy your life is made in that moment yep Pretty much. Fast I was times like, at been, Ridgemont High. Yep. Spicoli. <laughs> I'm waiting to. I'm wait. I've been waiting for the right time to quit. And uh, thank you very much, Mr. Penn. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> going back to Canada. Um, going back to Canada. I'm not going to confuse my parents anymore with this weird show business thing. No, I. I um, Do you we, live here? Or do you live in Canada right no, now? No, I live here. I wish I could live in Canada. I can't wait till this business spreads out so far where it's literally the food network just on your phone <laughs> and we're all just making vines and self-publishing and getting $4 to do it. And I'm just living in a log cabin like something you'd see on one of these reality shows like Out West Trekkers or something. And I'm just up there eating raw deer and uh, barely making a living doing – that is the dream. And Did I'm I- not – 
I'm not joking at all. Did I see that there's going to be another Three Stooges movie? Did you, I see that on did. IMDb? You did. What was that? But there's not. <laughs> it said filming on yeah, IMDb. Yeah, because the yeah <clears throat> they can. What, what is that? What am I looking at when I go to your IMDb resume you, and I see that? You are looking at the people who own the rights to the Stooges. Okay. Who want the? They would. Lo- I'm sure they would like to make another movie. But they said it's filming. Mm-hmm. It's not. I don't know. Well, I guess they just put that on IMDb. And then, and to be honest, look, I'll be. Are you very... saying the stuff on the internet is not real? Yeah, isn't that <laughs> They're weird? Lying? People are lying. We on can the go internet. to Wikipedia right now and fuck your life up if you like. <laughs> we can just put all sorts well, of. I, shit I don't in there. know if you've ever tried to get anything on IMDb. It's pretty impossible to get the changes to your own. And bio, I don't know so... how they do that. Like, right. You have there are all these codes. It doesn't work. There's a committee that meets yeah. and all this other stuff. So when <laughs> yeah. I see something there, I tend to believe it. Yeah, there's a bunch of guys out in the forest in like you know uh, cloaks. And well, shit. I got excited because I played that movie recently for my boys, yeah. and we loved it. Oh, and good. they laughed their butts off, well, and they thought you were great. The whole oh, thing cool. was great. And I went see. It's that moment where I went. Now I know what the Farley brother, what you guys were all up to. Oh well, we you know we it was, it was to... that was for a different generation. It's it's like. You know, obviously my kids are little. They didn't know who the Three Stooges were, and they saw this thing. They died. They thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And I went, that's that's the little piece that I missed. And I, and I think it was also what we were talking about, which is these these weird casting choices that were leaked yeah. and suddenly talked about that had everybody's head spinning a little bit. Yeah. You know? Well, they had to go back and, and, and uh, you know, th- that fell apart with the, with the three, you know, the three big names. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, if they wanted to still make the movie, it had to be scaled back, and, and they basically – just wanted to look for the three guys that could do it. I want to do it with Benicio Del Toro now, Sean Penn. That would be And you. I'd like to see it in there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you want to see Will Sasso and you don't feel like Googling him on your YouTube for his funny vines, which you have to do. Trust me, you have to do it. You're going to see him in this new show, Louder Milk, that premieres October 17th at 10.30 um, Eastern Time on the AT&T Audience Network. And the DirecTV Now app. And the DirecTV Now app. It's everywhere. It's uh, really funny. Will, thank you for coming in. Did I miss anything? Is there anything we need to talk about? Let's just tell, just because for well, the car people who are still lingering that. here. Oh, what's car your, people. I what's your favorite a, car? What's your favorite car? I have a, I, I have a Chevy Tahoe. Oh, I've, there you I've, go. I've had a string of Chevy Tahoes. Those are cool. Yeah, I've, had, I've owned three of them. <laughs> um, I have. I've That's great. Chevy so you're Tahoes. really happy with that product. I like just I just just I like driving my living room. I'm a big guy. Right, right. Just put me in a Chevy Tahoe, uh, and I tell you what, for you know, for your car, your your you know, the listeners of your podcast, and uh, I spent a lot of time in Canada. I'm from there, and up in Canada, I have a, uh, a Chevy Avalanche, which that thing they took the lid off that thing. I'll tell you that right now. That flies. Yeah. It goes really fucking fast it's not a safe car it doesn't have the it's built on a suburban <laughs> chassis so it's bigger than the tahoe mm-hmm. but it doesn't have the the it's uh mine's a 2004 or a 2005 so it's before they put the the, the rear cameras in mm-hmm. so i'm constantly and it's and it's it's built like it's built like back like the back is higher and it's like it's really built so that you can put a big payload in mm-hmm. like a rock like you're supposed to like the commercial <laughs> dump a bunch of cinder blocks in there. So I can't see behind me and I'm parallel parking in Vancouver on Robson Street and just <laughs> just my you know my my trailer hitch just grinding into BMWs and uh that's kind of how I sort of feel my way into I'm a good parallel parker uh because I got that I parked that boat but that thing just flies and it just swallows gas and I love it. It's just oh, on the freeway. <laughs> and that's I don't know shit about cars. All I know is that I like I like big, big trucks. stupid trucks <laughs> that can go if they can go really fast, preferably on bald tires with, you know, on rainy streets in Vancouver. I do a lot of drifting in my uh I actually I just got some new all-weather tires or uh, all-season tires on my on the avalanche up north, but before that, they were pretty bald, and I would do—I would literally just drift in and out with my cute little Italian parents in the car. <laughs> I would do that a lot. They my, must have loved that. My mom would be sitting in the back. I'd just make sure she's. Oh, <laughs> and uh, literally, and just drift here and there. My dad just white knuckling the you know the dashboard. Yeah, right, but right. That's all. That's really all there I know go. from cars. Big well, trucks. those are trucks. You know, here's the dirty secret of uh, trucks on TV. They always rate better than the cars. 
Really? Yep. Whenever we put trucks on the show. Interesting. Through the roof. People love trucks. I love I, trucks. We I all would, love trucks. There I you go. I can't drive a car. You there get a you rental go. car. Fuck that. We all love drive trucks. Drive a big truck. Look. Hey, look. Let me tell you something. We got This planet's got mm, 35 to 50 years tops. Enjoy your truck. <laughs> get out there with your truck. I'd say Let's poke minutes. another hole in the ozone. <clears throat> we got all these emission standards now. My <laughs> truck ain't... I tell you, this is no word of a lie. My... Uh, Chevy Tahoe did not pass the last emission standards, the California test, which is impossible to do. Uh, actually, the only reason is is because I just took it in for service, and you have to drive it for 50 miles, right. or else that thing doesn't really How did you get So how did you get your smog test passed? Oh, I, I still haven't. I still haven't. I've been out of town shooting something, right. so I got I, 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 I to be in town enough to drive 50 to 100 miles, and then I'll take it back to Manny near my place, and he'll uh, run the test. It's going to be fine. All I'm saying is get a, big, get a big truck in there, two miles to the gallon, fuck the whales, pave the forest, go Trump, and drive a truck. <laughs> what? I'm joking. I'm joking. Hey. I'm joking. He's gone off the I'm rails. In ha- I'm in Hollywood. Let's put that on my if Wikipedia. You, if you, uh, uh, this is a perfect job for the Hungarian. If you can't get the smog test, you call me up. I'm going to put you in touch with the Hungarian. He's going to handle it. Really? The Hungarian. The I, used Hungarian. To have a, I used to have a guy. He's good at this. He's yeah. an expert. He's an expert at getting you to pass. What, yeah. Wink, wink. <laughs> I... When I first got to L.A., I was living uh, in Studio City, and I remember I had this dude, and I had a, an Isuzu Trooper that I moved down here in. And he would, you know, I'd be parked on the street, and he would, and he was, I don't know what Balkan country he was from. And uh, he would he would come fix my truck, and he'd be laying under the truck with his legs just out in traffic. <laughs> and I was like, this guy gets a tip. He's literally risking limb, life and limb. To fix my stupid trooper wow. with the transmission. Problem. Fantastic. Well, Will, very nice to meet you in person. Likewise. I've Likewise. I've loved your comedy for for many years. Oh, cheers, man. The show is Louder Milk. It's October seventeenth on the AT and T Audience Network. We'll see you next week on Spikes Truck Radio. Thanks for listening to Spikes Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app, or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. Hey everybody, it's Shaq. Have you had a chance to check out the number one podcast on Podcast One? That's right, the Big Podcast with Shaq. Me and my co-hosts John Kincaid and Rob Jenners, we have a blast with way more than just sports. We have the biggest guests from entertainment to the NBA. I promise you've never ever heard a show like this. The Big Podcast with Shaq with a new episode every Monday at PodcastOne.com.